0: This episode was recorded as part of a conference call series on U.S.-Mexico relations. You are listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant news-making issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Global IQ Minute. Today our discussion is with a good friend, Vicente Fox, who served as the president of Mexico from 2000 to 2006 – And listeners will recall that his election marked the end of 71 years of uninterrupted rule by the PRI, the Institutional Revolutionary Party. And during the recent U.S. presidential election, President Fox was, and he continues to be, a very strong critic of Donald Trump, and particularly the United States president's commitment to building a wall paid for by Mexico. And while the feared trade war has not yet begun, the Twitter war between President Trump and our guest, is in full force now before we begin i'd also like to mention that president fox is a valued friend of the world affairs councils of america and has been a guest over many years at numerous councils and many of our members from across the country have visited central fox the president's library museum and foundation located on his family homestead in san cristobal just uh, about 30 minutes away from guanajuato president fox once again thank you so much for being with us
1: Jim, it's my pleasure. Thank you for this great opportunity to speak to so many friends there in the United States. And I would like to start by saying... uh, it's nothing personal. The Twitter debate, at least in my case, nothing personal. Number two, to all those who are listening at this moment to tell you that I am half American, half of my blood, half of my body, half of myself is American because my grandfather was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, because he came to Mexico as a migrant without a penny in his pocket. He made his American dream here in Mexico, I'm talking about 1895 when he decided to come down to Mexico. And this has been what we've been building together, all of us, a strong North America, a successful North America, a compassive North America, and a North America that thinks about everybody and the need for. Real opportunities for all all of our people. We are. Let me ask you this, because let me me ask you this, because
0: last week on NBC's Today Show, you said that Mexico's relationship is at the very lowest point since the war in 1846-1848 between Mexico and the United States. Is it the fault of President Trump, or are there other factors that are playing a role as well?
1: No, everything, everything was running very fluently in this. Disruption And the disruptor, of course, is Donald Trump. I don't know why he liked to attack Mexico and Mexicans in Mexico and in United States, why he has been so offensive against our dignity, against our beliefs. And why he is so ignorant about what is going on between our three nations, and I'm including Canada, United States, and Mexico, and that we're not the little guy on the backyard, that Mexico is the 11th largest economy in the world, that Mexico United States trade balance is the largest in the world, together with the trading between China and United States, that we do have a very slight surplus in our trading with the United States that basically is due to the oil that we sell in United States imports. Besides that, we have an even situation. We export close to 300 billion U.S. dollars a year. We import over 250 billion U.S. dollars a year, which accounts for 10 million direct jobs for U.S. citizens. So if we would decide to cancel NAFTA, the very first loser would be United States and United States jobs by the million. This is what would happen in a situation like that that we all don't want to see and to happen.
0: We've talked about, or President Trump has talked about, what actions the United States might be able to take against Mexico, tariffs, attacks on the remittances. Tell us what tools Mexico has. What could Mexico do to counter any aggressive actions by the United
1: States? Okay, there are three issues that are worrisome to Mexico and to Latin America. One is the wall and paying for the wall. Number two is trading and losing jobs and losing opportunities. And number three is migration. Let me just start on trade. I already mentioned the strong trading balance that we have, and everybody that understands a little bit about economy and trading knows that trading is a win-win situation, that both economies that trade, each one increases its wealth, increases the amount of jobs, and it's win-win not trading, you're losing opportunities. And it's huge amounts of trading that we do here. Now, what Trump has menaced with is that he will tax Mexican imports into United States to protect US jobs. As I said, first of all, if there's no NAFTA, the media loser in the United States will send million jobs. But if he decides to impose a twenty percent tax, the first guy to pay for that tax is US consumers because if he tax an automobile coming from Mexico that is worth twenty thousand US dollars, it it's gonna cost them twenty Four thousand U.S. dollars. Who's paying for that? The U.S. consumer. But also, every action has a reaction. On NAFTA ruling, you cannot tax unilaterally. So Mexico would have to do the equivalent and tax with twenty percent, for instance, all the farming products, all the meat and the grain and the cheese and the milk products that we import to Mexico an amount of well over 20 billion U.S. dollars. So what is going to happen with those that produce cheese in the United States, that produce milk, those who produce agriculture, those who produce so many products? So it's a loss, loss situation. I know we don't want that. Nobody wants that to happen. But if needed, you have to defend your own economy, and the jobs that you already have. So there's a lot of retaliation measures. I just cannot envision General Motors losing all the huge state-of-the-art manufacturing plants that it has in Mexico. What are they going to do with them? They cannot take them away. They're going to be here. So a big loser is global U.S. corporations when they are limited, when they are staff of training. And finally, GM. GM, Chrysler, and Ford went bankrupt just five years ago. And taxpayers in the United States have to save from bankruptcy those three corporations. If Trump forces them to go back and produce in the United States, they will not be able to compete in quality, nor in price, with the European cars or the Asian cars, and they will go broke again. All right. So
0: you mentioned NAFTA a minute ago, and a few people know NAFTA as well as you do. What aspects of the agreement, in your view, should be modernized and might be helpful
1: if it were renegotiated? Yes, okay. Well, number one, NAFTA is basically about manufacturing and exchanging products that you produce in the United States to sell them without any taxation to Mexico. And the other way around, Mexico manufactures different products here that we export there. Now, he says that Mexico has taken away those jobs from United States workers in the automobile industry. That's false. That is not true. Or partially it's true because United States has lost, in the last 10 years, 35% of the jobs you had in manufacturing. But they have been replaced by 95% increase in knowledge jobs, jobs in technology, jobs in service economy, jobs in tourism. So you have more than replaced the one lost in manufacturing. Mexico is going through the same process. We're losing manufacturing jobs now to Central America and to South America. So the world markets are for those who are competitive, those who produce with quality, like China is doing. China's conquering markets everywhere in the world has a very strong export drive and that's why they have been able to bring up three hundred million families of China that came out of poverty and became middle classes. So the world is progressing, the world is advancing. Why this crazy proposal to build walls, to isolate American people from the rest of the world, to isolate US global corporations that have been so successful And just because of fear, he says we need a wall because we have fear. We can deal with a wall in a very different manner with migration. There is a bill that I have suggested Trump to look at in U.S. Congress, presented by Senator McCain and Senator Kennedy on a bipartisan way, presenting the solution to the migration issue to bring order in the border, and this is agreed upon. We worked together with President Bush's administration and my administration, Kennedy and McCain, came for a visit when I was president for a week's time to develop that. That has been sitting right there in Congress. Nobody has processed those, and that's the wise way, that's the intelligent way to bring order and safety to the border that we But let me me ask
0: you this. I mean, when we talk about the wall, there's the issue of migration, and you have said, and I think the facts bear this out, that the migration of Mexicans to the United States is now negative. Is there a security issue on the border? What should be, if anything, be done now to increase the security on the border? Is it better enforcement, more people, or is it – more technological surveillance equipment, or do you feel that the security
1: on the border is sufficient? No, no, it's not. It's not at all. And let me tell you, when Trump told President Peña, and I think he offended President Peña, and he offended all Mexicans, saying that the Mexican army was weak and that they couldn't find this bad hombres that he mentioned. First of all, he should know that our Constitution does not admit any foreign army into a territory. But besides that, what he should learn about is that the U.S. Army should do the job within the same United States, because who is controlling the drug once it crosses the border? Who? Who is uh, where is the FBI? where is the DAI? Where is the CIA? And what is the God? Why drugs circulate all over the United States and nobody does nothing about? Mm-hmm. Trump thinks that by keeping Mexico with the help of 500 million U.S. dollars that he sends to Mexico to stop the drug from crossing our territory, that that will do. And it's not going to happen that way. We need to work in a different manner. Mexico today does not produce drugs significantly. Mexico today is not a drug consumption nation, and all this drug is coming from the south. So let's legalize drug consumption. Let's look for other ways and means of stopping not only drug trafficking, but also crime that derives from drug trafficking. What about the That's one issue, but weapons. you
0: still have the migration of people from all over the world seeking to cross the border for a better life in the United States. So what does one yes. do to strengthen that? Well,
1: that's the price of success. Yes. That's the price of success. Let me tell you this. When NAFTA started 22 years ago, the difference on income between the U.S. side of the border and the Mexican side was tenfold. So you would make $1 on the Mexican side, and if you knew how to swim or how to jump walls, you immediately make $10 instead of the one you're making. Who will not be moved with such a strong incentive? So at the very end, we're talking about an economic deal, the case of the border. Today, 22 years after, one generation after, that gap, that difference is five to one. So now if you're on the Mexican side, you make $1, and if you cross the border, you only make 5 instead of 10 that you used to. This is why the trend of migration is reversing, because the incentive is not there anymore, and second, because Mexico has created enough jobs to be able to attend our own demand. At the place where I am, State of Guanajuato, Querétaro, San Luis Potosí, Aguascalientes. This part of Mexico is at full employment rate at this point in time. Salaries are going up, and that's why people are not moving to the north anymore. If we could, and I think this would be my forecast, in 25 more years, one more generation, that gap of on income, one side or the other, would be a one-to-one just like it is between Canada and United States. A one-to-one gets rid of all the problems that you have, all the violence, because you have a very harmonious situation. This should be what Trump, the United States, and Mexico together. We should be talking about how do we build opportunities, how do we build jobs, how do we narrow the gap on income, And it will happen, and this is the way Europe became to be the European Union because they have leveled-off income in Portugal with Germany, in Germany with Britain, in Poland with Spain, in Spain with France. That's Well, I'm glad you brought up
0: Canada because let me ask you about Canada because Canada is getting pressure too. Do you feel that Canada will remain united with Mexico, or is there a risk that it might be pressured by the United States to pick a side.
1: Words that we have heard from Prime Minister Trudeau are very disappointing to Mexico, very disappointing, because now he says that he will leave Mexico to defend his own interests because he has to defend the interests of Canada. Well, I tell Trudeau, watch out what's going on in Mexico because you are the next, and China will be the next. I mean, Trump will not stop until he thinks that he gets back all the jobs in the United States. There is no nation capable of producing with efficiency, with productivity, with the quality needed, all products in your own territory. That's crazy. That's not what can happen. Every nation has some things where you're very strong and some things where you're weak. And this is the case between Canada, United States, and Mexico. Together, we're as strong as nobody else in the world. Together, we compete as nobody else can do it in the world. Together, we save the Ford Motor Company, the Chrysler Corporation, and the General Motors Corporation. They know they cannot work just producing in the United States. They will produce cars 20 or 30% higher cost, and either they decrease the salaries of the U.S. workers or they will go broke. So it's just nonsense. Since the Trans-Pacific Partnership looks
0: fairly dead, at least it's certainly not going to be with the United States as a party, do you see a, a situation where Mexico may become a part of a new Trans-Pacific Partnership?
1: Oh, yes. We're with commodity now. We're looking after. We're already in conversations with China and the rest of the potential members that we are all are in agreement to pound the TPP, but more so to keep on going with it. I'm sorry for the U.S. corporations. I think you're going to lose 40% of global markets if United States corporations are not there. So again, it's a crazy idea. The world has proven that trading, you improve, you advance. United States. A strong economy is based on two facts. Number one, the work and the talent of migrants. All along, the United States has been a migrant nation. Even my grandfather, he came from the States. He was born in the States. But back, he came from Ireland, like most everybody in the United States. So, it's one of the strengths of the U.S. And the second one is trading. I remember when I was in the Coca Cola company working for 15 years, I learned there that first U.S. corporations and U.S. government were the promoters of opening economy. And we didn't want to the rest of the economies in the world. We were afraid that we would be conquered by the powerful. U.S. economy. So we didn't want to open our borders. We didn't want to open our markets. But the United States was very insistent and forced every other economy to open, to trade openly with all economies in the world. And now the leader, the guy who taught us to open our markets, to be competitive, now is going backwards. And now is building walls. It's incredible. You you, you, you have opened up
0: You have opened up for me a question that I want to ask, and then we will uh, invite our listeners, and we have several hundred that are on the line with us. Our friend Duncan Wood with the Woodrow Wilson Center wrote a piece that appeared in The Guardian a few days ago. The title of the article is, Trump's Wall Has Revived Old Fears and Hatreds in Mexico. And he said Mexicans felt years ago that the United States could not be trusted and anti yanquismo was still prevalent. And there's a fear now And you have talked about this, too, that there's a more strident nationalism in Mexico, especially among Mexico's youth. How concerned are you now about what you're hearing from the young people in Mexico and their feeling towards the United States? And then we'll open it up to our listeners.
1: Very, very worried. And Trump should rethink all what he's doing. Because, yes, we're coming back to the cold war because now Mexico has to look at China, and we're going to be inviting China to come to our market, and we're going to go to their market. We will be inviting China to come and install telecom towers in the border with the United States, and the United States will not like that. But you're forcing us to go like in the Cold War. If we don't have a friendship, a partnership with the United States, where do we go? Fortunately, we have 43 trade agreements now. It makes me think about going back to the times of the gringo tale, the ugly American that would take out governments and will install presidents at their wish, and that he would go to the banana republic and enforce uh, them to trade and force them to pay low salary. I mean, the gringo tale, the hated American, would be coming back if Trump insists with his language, with his thoughts. So I just state again. Every action has a reaction. What Trump is absolutely wrong is that he will prevail only with his idea and the rest of the world will stay quiet and obey what he's instructing. That will never happen. Trump must learn that leadership on the long term is composite leadership. It's those who worry about the others those nations that work together to build together. And I'm surprised why American people at this 30, 35 percent of it is following this false prophet. We need to reflect. We need to think about of his proposals and think different. Let's
0: open it up now, and let's hear from some of our listeners. Let me remind everybody to wait to ask a question to President Fox is to press four star. That will unmute your phone And let me ask everyone to ask a question and make it as brief as possible so that we can take a few. And I'll even ask uh, President Fox if he might stay with us for a few extra minutes if he has the time. So let's hear from you. My name is Greg Oppel, and I'm a high school comparative government teacher. And Mexico is one of the countries I teach. And I'm just wondering what uh, former President Fox thinks is a good strategy for Americans who are not in agreement with our current president's plans for Mexico, how he uh, thinks we can reach out to uh, Mexicans with the same viewpoint we have to reach past our governments, I guess?
1: Yeah. How how do you stop a dictator? How do you stop a dictator? You know, in Latin America, we suffered uh, evil dictators all throughout the 20th century, and that's why we're lagging behind. We have military dictators, we have uh, messianic and demagogic leaders like the Evita Perons and the Kirchner, and then we have the Castros, and then we have Hugo Chávez. So we know, we can see who is who. And in this case, we know that uh, dictators uh, are weakened by people, by people not supporting them and not obeying them. It's very important that, he, that Republican congressmen in U.S. Congress really think by themselves. Uh, they are elected by the people, not by Trump, not by their party. People elect them. And so their obligation, number one obligation, is with their own constituencies, with their own people. So I hope there will be these checks and balances in that great democracy that is United States, and let's exercise those checks and balances, and then we will domesticate this guy. He will start behaving like a president, because right now I don't call him president because he is not shown to be a president, because he does not respect others, Then why we should respect him. Let's hear from another listener.
0: Yes, my name is Steve Rosenthal, and we actually have a company that imports furniture from Mexico. Uh, So I'd like to ask an economic versus a political question. One of the perceptions is that goods coming in from the U.S. have a 16% tax, which is the VAT in Mexico. And I know for a fact that components that we ship in from the U.S., to Mexico, because our factory is not a -a Maquilladora, we have to pay that 16% VAT on those components. Wouldn't it go a long way if that 16% was waived on goods that came back into the U.S.?
1: you, You are not paying for that sales tax. It's Mexican consumers that are paying for that sales tax. And yes, it's a tax imposed by Mexican government to Mexican citizens is not imposed to U.S. corporations. Also, I would say that in the case of several uh, states that have this kind of sales tax, like Texas has, uh, you're talking the products that are consuming the United States for the U.S. consumer. So that, again, is wrong and misleading what President Trump, is saying uh, in the case that he wants now, he says, okay, I'm going to tax 20% cars coming from Mexico. He's not taxing taxing Mexican products. He cannot do that. It's our own economy and it's our sovereignty. He will tax the car imported in United States with that 20%. So it's an American corporation that is going to pay for that tax and this corporation will reflect it on the final price of the product that the U.S. consumer is going to be buying. So when he says with the 20%, I'm going to get the money to build the wall, again, he will be getting that money out of the pockets of U.S. taxpayers, not Mexico's taxpayers. So this is wrong. He's saying that he's going to tax remittances, of Mexicans that gain that money with their work, efficient work, loyal work that they are contributing to the U.S. economy. If he taxes remittances, he's stealing, he's committing a crime with those guys that are earning that money cleanly and, and, and productively. But more so, if he taxes remittances, Mexico will have to react and retaliate, and we will tax Money coming from Mexico, profits from corporations coming to the United States. Imagine what that will create, chaos. So nobody wants to keep on walking in this direction. We want peace. We want to have order in the border. We want to deal with our friend, with our neighbor, with our partner, United States. We love American people. We love our people. We have an excellent relation. And here comes the destroyer, the disruptor, to break what we have built throughout the
0: years. Well, let's take two more questions, and then I want you to tell us a little bit about what you and Marta are doing at Central Fox.
1: Yes, I do have a question. My name is uh, Sajio Madu with the West African American Chamber of Commerce. Thank you so much, Mr. President, and uh, for this opportunity. My question is, uh, considering that um, some of uh, the leaders that have been identified have occupied center stage, and seems to be detecting the tone, and the rest of us are reacting. Do we have uh, a sustainable, uh, proactive uh, uh, plan to be proactive in uh, resetting the tone and the agenda that uh, has been set by uh, the recent occupier of the White House? Okay. Uh, I think we should all be reacting according to our interests, but more so, according to the harm, the harm that is going to be caused to United States economy. And you spoke about Africa. That might be the next uh, Trump move to stop Africa trading with United States, when it should be a preferred continent, preferred economies to have access to the U.S. market. That's the minimum of compassion that you need. That's the minimum common sense to keep the world out of conflict and out of wars. Because if we go back to the times of hunger that people don't have to eat, that people don't have a job, there will be no walls, there will be no atomic bombs that will stop everybody. So, yes, we all have to react according to our interests and according to our common sense, which this guy doesn't seem to have. And let me tell you one a, more thing That's here. a good question, though. When you important. dial
0: down the rhetoric?
1: Is there a way to dial down the rhetoric? Oh Well, on our case, yes, of course. But he needs to respect others, to be respected. Yes, we all want to do that. But, but we don't have the, the capacity to shut his mouth and reduce the rhetoric. But let me tell you about trading. It's very important. United States economy has a deficit with every single economy in the world. It's not the deficit with Mexico. It's not the one with China or Canada or European Union or Britain or France. It has a deficit with every single economy in the world. U.S. economy moves on a very different economic strategy. It's not trading uh, uh, what affects the U.S. economy. You have such a strong dollar right now, that Trump will not be able to succeed. You're going to be, you're going to be getting more and more imports, and you're going to be selling less and less U.S. manufactured cars just because of the strong dollar. And already GM and the automobile industry declare they are not selling the same because the U.S. dollar is so strong. Even, even Disneyland will be a loser with that kind of dollar, 40 percent of uh, participants in Disneyland come from Mexico and from Latin America. Where is Disney World going to replace this 40% of their customers? So it's, it's crazy what is going on. President
0: Fox, Secretary Baker gave a major interview in Politico yesterday, and in it he said, we have risk down there, Mexico, that the left-wing candidate for president, this guy, Obrador, could win. That would be very bad for the United States because all Mexicans oppose the idea of being arm-twisted into paying for the wall. Do you see the situation now where Obrador is the leading candidate? Jim Baker, you know you're
1: my friend. You know that we've been together many times. We know that we both, Mexicans and Americans, have great respect and love for each other. And thank you for saying what you said. And it is true. It is true that that could happen. And though we're sick and tired of demagogues in Latin America, of authoritarian leaders, of dictators like Chavez, like Castro, and this, López Obrador, is one of them, and, of course, He is right now happy because he thinks that through Trump he will get to the presidency. This is something that we will avoid in Mexico. And I was not active in politics, me, Vicente Fox. I am active on the foundation, working for people. But if needed, I will jump in the arena. Mexico cannot fall in the hands of a demagogue, of a populist, or by a guy that has his mind way back 100 years ago that he doesn't know how the economy moves today, that he doesn't know about globalization, about markets, about technology, about the so many good things that this world has reached. So we're going to be very active avoiding that Lopez Obrador gets anywhere, and maybe that's one of the of the Mexicans that we would love to export to United States to work with Trump. <laughs> well, before
0: I let you off the line, President Fox, I want you to tell our listeners about some of the remarkable work that you and Marta, your wonderful wife, are doing at Central Fox. What, what's next on your agenda in Guanajuato? What are you doing? Thank
1: you for that, for that great opportunity, uh, Jim. Uh, people there, friends, uh, we created the first presidential library, outside of the United States. And again, this is following the leadership of that great nation. This is taking the good examples that you show us, and that's why we built this first presidential library outside of the United States. And by the way, I think it's the most beautiful one because we decided to build in the old hacienda that comes back to the 16th century that was built. Well, right here with modern architecture blending with that 300, 400-year-old 400, 400 building came out a masterpiece of architecture. Our dedication is leadership. Our dedication is compassive leadership. There is no other leadership that can transcend but compassive leadership. We receive over 60,000 kids every year to teach them about leadership, to teach them about compassive leadership, to make them be convinced to stay in the school, to prepare them to stay in Mexico and not go to the United States. We have other two foundations, which is BAMOS Mexico and CRISMA. They are much more on the charitable side. They work on wheelchairs for everybody that needs a wheelchair in center of Mexico. They come here and they have it. Uh, and they don't have to pay one penny for it. We are providing right now 22,000 uh, packages of protein and nutrition to 22,000 kids every day. Nutrition and protein to be smart in school. We do have another foundation, very briefly, is CRISMA. It's in San Miguel de Allende. And believe me, you that are listening to me, you have to come to San Miguel de Allende. That's one of the most beautiful towns, the best atmosphere and cultural ambiente that you can see anywhere else in the world. We remember last year we
0: took people there. We went to visit uh, uh, our our members, stayed with you, and then they went there, and they absolutely loved it. And I want to remind listeners that uh, our World Affairs Council, working with the World Affairs Councils of America, will be uh, hosting a trip to visit President Fox uh, late in October of this
1: year. So I hope people will be able to join us. Okay. Well, in San Miguel de Allende, we have a foundation by the name of CRISMA, which attends, for the moment, 200 persons with severe brain damage. And Right now, we're trying to build a facility to attend 500 with state-of-the-art attention, to go further and beyond therapy, to go into technology and, in, and, and preparing people to go back to a normal life as much as possible. Right there in San Miguel de Allende, we're about to build this new facility, and uh, as Jim said, that town has hosted 40,000 U.S. and Canadian citizens that enjoy their lives right there in San Miguel de Allende. They have a home or they come for the winter and then manifested themselves. They came out to the streets in defense of Mexico against the atrocities proposed by Trump. Uh, We were really thankful to that U.S. community in San Miguel de Allende because they know what Mexico is all about. They know how respectable we are, Mexicans, how loyal we are. How loving we are. So uh, please come. Please come. Join Jim. We will welcome you here at the Hacienda, the Presidential Library. You will enjoy maybe the best weekend that you have had. And by the way, with the exchange rate of 22 to 1, I mean, you will be paying $50 <laughs> for your rooms and, and, uh, and $2 for your lunch with uh, Mexican enchiladas, tacos, mole, tequila, a Corona beer, and anything else you want.
0: My friend, President Fox, thank you so much for being with us today. You've been very generous with your time. We appreciate it.
1: People, friends, let's build bridges, not walls. We don't need walls. We need bridges of understanding, bridges of love, bridges of friendship that we have built and we can keep going. Thank you for attending us on this time, Jim. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys and 38 offices across the globe. Visit the firm at gtlaw.com.